0: okay um we are going to open up and read the scriptures um together before flora comes and shares so if you'd like to find that for yourself we're in acts chapter 2 right at the very end um like this is we're skipping back um to acts 42 acts two forty-two. sorry to read this together and then a short excerpt from acts 4 as well um I'm just going to read from Acts 2.40 just to put this into context. So Peter has spoken at the day of Pentecost to all the crowds of Jewish people from all over the nations of the world. And he said, with many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were then baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all of the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anybody who had the need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And they broke bread in their homes. And they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And then on to four 32 he says this all of the believers were one in heart and in mind no one claimed that any of their possessions were their own but they shared everything that they had with great power again the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them in them all sorry God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses, they sold them. They brought the money from the sales and they put them at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anybody who had need. Okay, Flora.
1: Thank you awesome good morning and um, it's I um, I don't know about you but I found over the last few weeks there seems to be an awful lot more November birthdays than there has in ever any other previous year it feels like there's a lot of celebrations going on and the children particularly have had loads of party invites and these are really quite special party invites as well so Abigail comes leaping out of her class the other day and she's got an invitation that is actually a box of marshmallows and um, it's for a princess party but we've had kayaking and rock climbing and swimming and combat warrior there's been lots of very exciting parties going on over the last few weeks and I think many parents are making up for the lost time so children haven't had this opportunity for 18 months two years and so they are making up for it. Now, I wonder what you did for your birthday over lockdown, or your birthdays, if you were a spring birthday particularly. We had many uh, blowing out of candles on the driveway, we had chilly nights outside, picnics in the park that were wet and rainy, and walks around the area to deliver party bags. Um, And they were just as special, those birthdays. Because what what we realized was that actually, birthdays aren't about the amazing events and the amazing parties, although they are fun, but it's about the people and it's about being together and it's about the simplicity of relationship. And I know I certainly found a renewed love for, for, for friendships and for family in the sense that it wasn't about the big things, it was just about the connection. And this morning, what I want us to reflect on is that simplicity of the early church that we read in Acts two and acts four i 'm um, I'm, I'm very this is one of my passions. I love kind of um, community building i love I love um, these passages, and I was really excited to talk about them, but in all honesty about 10 days ago I started to think about exactly what I was going to say and I really struggled to know what it was that God wanted to say this morning and um, I was off out to lunch at someone's house and I was reading the passage and I just jotted down on a scrap of paper a few things and I thought God's talking about building blocks it's about building blocks and I arrived at this friend's house and she's cooked lunch and um She she then shares with me this prophecy, and she said, oh, I had a prophetic word about three years ago. I was driving to Romsey, and I saw buildings, I hope I've got this right, buildings with uh, scaffolding on. And she said, I feel like God wants to take that scaffolding down. And he actually wants to take the whole building down, back down to the foundation, because we've got to get our foundation Right, we can't just correct the building, we need to get the foundation right. It's like, okay, I think God's maybe saying something about that. And I tried, I, I spent time this week preparing this talk, and I went to bed on Friday night and I laid down and I just thought, there's something missing, God. What is it that you're wanting to say? I don't feel like what I've got is quite what you're, you're speaking. And um, I, I went to sleep and I <laughs> said to God, please, please show me what it is that you want to speak. And then I wake up on Saturday morning and on my phone is uh, a WhatsApp message that's been sent to a group of us that's from Mike Pilavacci saying, the centre of what we need to focus on as church is the gospel. And we don't need to be culturally relevant. We need to be focused on what it is that the gospel is. We need to focus on loving God, loving one another, and loving the world, and that's what it's about. Okay, thank thank you, God. let so go downstairs and have breakfast that Ben's cooked, and then go back upstairs. Look at my phone again. There's another prophecy that's just come through that's about um, God making space for wanting to birth something new. So I certainly feel well and truly affirmed that there's God's trying to say something to us about simplicity, about going back to basics, and this is in many ways what this passage is talking about, um, going back to basics. Now, you may feel like over the last couple of years, things really have been stripped back for you. I know that the pandemic has had different impact on everybody, and it's been different for everybody. So it might be finances, or jobs, or loss of education, or mental health, um, I don't know what it is for you specifically, but it has been a hard year. And in the context of that hard year, as a church, we felt like God was calling us to something new. And uh, kind of over the course of the year, back in April and then again June-July time, we've said some of what we feel like God is calling us to, if you've seen the vision videos, Um, that we did back in June or July, God is calling us to something new. Um, But it may be that God wants to take some things away before we can start to rebuild. And that feels hard. Um, The last year or so hasn't always been easy for Ben and I. Some things have felt really tricky um, some things have not always been easy um, it's been hard kind of being amongst the change here um, and trying to work out what are our roles, what are we doing next, what does this look like and in amongst all of that we were given a prophecy it was, I think it was exactly a year ago and it was from an American guy who had grown up on a farm and he said I've got a picture of a field being set alight and, I, um, and then, then he said, I, I grew up on a farm and my dad used to burn all of the crops in the winter so that in the springtime the crops would regrow into something, like would regrow really, really well. Quite a similar image to John 15 where God says that he's the gardener and he, he prunes us back in order that we will be fruitful. And in all honesty, I've really held on to that, that pr- prophetic word and John 15, over the last year or so, knowing that even when things are taken away from us, maybe it's God preparing for something new to be born, for something new to be built upon. And so here in this passage, we see four very simple building blocks that as a church, we we know these are good things for us to found our church on. It says in the Bible that Jesus is the cornerstone. And then we want to. The, the, these are some of the simple building blocks that we see in this passage. So that is prayer. That's uh, the teaching of the apostles, and in with that, I think, is linked the signs and wonders that they see, because it's the good news expressed, and also the good news in words, um, the sharing of meals and communion, and then fellowship. And so this morning, I'm going to touch on those four things. I. I I won't be able to go into huge detail because you could probably do a huge sermon series on each one of those. So uh, bear with me. So first of all, prayer. We need to hear what it is that's on the Father's heart. Uh, A few weeks ago, I spoke on being bold on Peter's speech, which precedes this passage. And uh, I mentioned that they went out and spoke and then they realized that they needed to pray for more boldness. So they went back to their, their church and they prayed for boldness and then they went again. And uh, then we see this pattern throughout Acts where they're praying and they're sensing the Holy Spirit. Where do you want us to go? Do you want us to go there? No, you don't. Okay, so we'll go that way. Yes, that's where you want us to go. Following, listening to what the Holy Spirit's saying. It was encouraging chatting to Amy recently, and she said, I just felt like God said to me that I needed to start club night so for the youth. So I started club night. Heard what God said and did it. So we need to listen, we need to be praying, and we need to listen to what it is that God wants us to be doing. Secondly, um, the teachings of the apostles. There's power in the message of the gospel. And this um, little excerpt that I listened to yesterday from Mike Pilavachi was saying, we try so hard to be attractive... I don't mean necessarily in our appearance, but to make sure that we do everything as well as we possibly can do. But actually, we've really got to believe there's power in the gospel. There's power in the good news of Jesus, that Jesus has died and he came back to life. And we can live with him, we can be with him, we can be in relationship with him. And we can see his kingdom come today. That's good news um, and linked into that is the expression of that. So Phil talked a few weeks ago on Acts 3, where Peter and John went to the temple, they, um, to the courts, they, somebody was healed. So there was an event, and then there was the explanation, what it meant, and then there was a revelation. So they, they knew, oh yes, this is Jesus. So we need to um, build what we're doing on the gospel, on the good news. Some people, uh, some scholars call this early part of Acts the tale of two temples because you've kind of got this thing going on where you've got the people, the Jews, who know Jesus, that have just found out about Jesus, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. So that means that they are the temple themselves. So it says in the Bible that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. They house God's presence And then you've got the actual building, which is the temple. And what happens is all of the people, the Jesus-believing Jews and the non-Jesus-believing Jews, all go to the temple together to worship God. Okay? So that's like a cultural thing that they will do. That's their religious thing. So when the Jesus-believing Jews are going, they are meeting people who don't know Jesus, meeting people that aren't filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they are showing them and telling them about Jesus and actually this image is why and and when they're doing that they are bringing healing and they are bringing God's generosity and it's kind of a fulfillment of the Old Testament because in the Old Testament God asked for the temple to be built and he wanted it to be a place of generosity and a place of healing And here we have in the New Testament, now that it's the people that are the temple, they are bringing the healing and the generosity to the people that don't know Jesus. So they're fulfilling something that God's always wanted. He's always wanted people to encounter heaven on earth, God's healing and God's generosity. But here it is the people, and now we are the people that can bring generosity and bring healing it's quite hard for us to totally look at this passage and say, well, that's how it was in the early church, so that's exactly how it is now, because it's, it's a different context. It's a bit more like a group of Christians going to a cultural gathering place, so maybe a bit like us all going to West Key together as a group of Christians and telling people about Jesus. It's not exactly the same, but my point is that there were lots of people in the built temple who didn't know Jesus and who didn't, weren't filled with the Holy Spirit. So as we move forward, we want to be a people who are community that go out and tell people about Jesus and uh, show people God's generosity and God's healing in what we do. Okay, the third thing is that they shared meals together. They shared the Lord's Supper. Now, it depends on what version you read. Um, but sometimes these are used quite interchangeably. So the Lord's Supper is um, when we eat bread and we drink wine to remember that Jesus died on the cross. Um, and here, they kind of use it interchangeably also with meals. So if you imagine for them, it might have been a bit more like sitting around a dinner table... And when you're sat around a dinner table, as part of that, you would have eat some bread and drink some wine and remember what Jesus had done. The point is really that the encouragement was that we would remember Jesus in all times and in all circumstances in the everyday part of life. John Mark Comer on this passage remarks that kind of the church architecture, the church building, has gone from being around a table to thousand years ago to now being on a stage where we come and we um kind of listen to someone talk like me and we worship together and we take communion but the image here more was sharing lives together which that's not to say that the big space isn't important because it is we feel a sense of community don't we when we all come together this passage says they came together as one that's an important aspect I love walking down, sometimes in lockdown. I said to Ben, I'd like to do the school run just so that I can say, hi, 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 and feel that sense of connection with people. That's really important. But we also want to be connected in a smaller space where we can really share lives together and remember who Jesus is together in a smaller context, a bit like around a table. It's been really encouraging meeting up with connect group leaders over the last couple of months because you've told me tales about how you've tried to stay connected even when you couldn't do it around you know a table or something you've done it on zoom and over whatsapp and in gardens it's really important we share our lives and connect in the everyday. i don't know if you've heard of care for the family they have an offshoot called kitchen table project and Their whole premise is that 50% of children who grow up in Christian homes keep their faith as adults. That means half of children that grow up in Christian homes don't keep their faith. And what they want to do is encourage parents and churches to just normalise Jesus and to include Jesus in every aspect of life. When you're walking along the road, when you're going through your door, when you're going to sleep, when you're rising up all the time. That's what we want to do. We want to be a people that remember Jesus, not just taking bread and wine here, but maybe around the table at home. And as an aside, actually, at the moment, it's a lot easier to do in a smaller group than it is here. Logistically, it's quite tricky at the moment with COVID to do it here. Um, Finally, fellowship. Just think about that word for a moment, fellowship. What does that make you think of? Do you know, for me, the two words that come to my mind are quiche, milk jelly, Um, (laughs) foods that I'm not really very fond of at all, Um, but we kind of, I don't know if you cringe slightly, but I slightly cringe at the word. It doesn't feel like a word that's got great positive association. It means share. It means sharing life together. And David Pawson writes, the church is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, The word koinonia, which is fellowship, means far more than having a discussion followed by tea and biscuits. It is used for Siamese twins sharing the same bloodstream or partners in a business whose financial fortune will rise and fall together. It is a mutual dependence to a very high degree. Wow. That's that's the church, that's the church. Mutually dependent to a high degree. And it, this passage shows us that the last part of two, chapter 2 says, so we hang on, the whole of chapter 2, there's this amazing event, outpouring of Holy Spirit, there's an explanation, loads of people become Christians, then they talk about all of the things that we should be devoted to, these things I've just said. And then it says, and the Lord added to their number daily. So, Yes, if we see great signs and wonders, people will probably come to know Jesus. But also, here we have God saying that his prescription, his idea for fruitfulness, is our unity. And that isn't just something that we see once in Acts. We see it in other parts. In John 13, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And in 17, Jesus prays. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one as you are the father in me and I am in you and may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. It doesn't make any sense it doesn't it doesn't feel like the thing that should make sense but our unity our fellowship our oneness people will see that and know that God is in heaven and that he loves them too. It doesn't make sense. Now, this passage with these kind of four foundations that I've just talked about, I think it's quite easy for us to look at the early church and Acts and think, right, that's exactly how they did it. It was the model church. It was perfect. And so we need to lift everything that they did and put it 2,000 years later and make that happen. And that's what we exactly need to do. As I said with the temple, we can't totally always equate it because it's not exactly the same. We're 2,000 years later, things have changed. And also, um, we see when we look through Acts, they didn't have it all sorted. So Ben spoke a few weeks ago about the conflict that arose where the widows were saying you're not sharing the food um, fairly. And so they had to organise themselves and some went off and did preaching and teaching and praying, and and some people stayed back and and served those within the church. They needed to be organized. We need to organize ourselves. That's okay. Um, And there will be conflict going forward. There was conflict um, between the leaders. So um, Paul and Barnabas disagree about who to have on their team. And so in the end, one goes one way and one goes the other way. There will be conflict in our church leadership team. That will happen, but we will find ways through it because what is greater is our unity, and like in any marriage, there is conflict, but what what strengthens that is working through that. We will work through it. The the early church was quite chaotic, wasn't it? I like the bit in Acts where um, Paul's preaching, and there's a guy in a window, and he falls asleep because he's... Obviously very tired or bored, I don't know. but And then he falls out of the window and they have to go and um, pray for him and he comes back to life. And uh, it's chaotic. That wasn't part of the plan, was it? There's things that, that we will have to change and we will have to adapt and we will have to be agile too as a church. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, they they sometimes got to a place and realised that the Holy Spirit didn't want them there so they moved on. And then they knew they should be somewhere, so they went to that place. We have to adapt and change what we're doing. And so when we look at the early church, it's got some things that we absolutely want to build our foundation on. But we also need to know that they weren't perfect, and we're not perfect. And we will have to adapt, and we will have to change. But the thing that is key that we're taught in this passage is this unity between the believers, this this fellowship, to use the word I don't really want to, and and the simplicity of building their church on prayer, on the teaching and the good news, on sharing meals in the Lord's Supper and fellowship. And that's what their foundation was. And maybe there are things, as we kind of go forward and we go forward into... The new year, we start to think about okay, how are we going to implement this vision that God's given us? We want that to be the foundation, and for each of us individually to approach that as our foundation, but also together. So, um, I'd just like to pray to finish. Father, I thank you that you have said that we are to be one just as we are one with you, that just as our relationship with you is important. This church community is just what you wanted. You wanted unity. You wanted us to keep things simple. And you wanted us to be part of your mission together. And Lord God, I pray as we step forward as a church community, that we would know that we need to put the first things first. And if there are things that you want to get rid of, things that you you think that we don't need anymore, Lord, we surrender those things to you. We say we're sorry if there are things that we've tried to hold on to. We want you to, to build what it is that you're building. We know and we trust that you will add to our number. You will make us fruitful when we put the first things first when we put you first, when we put each other first, and we put our world first, Lord God. We pray for your wisdom. We pray for your insight going forward. And most of all, we pray for your supernatural unity, that interdependence on one another. Amen.